Are you wanting to heal your relationship? Or maybe you're not sure, but you'd like to explore the idea, and that's led you to this podcast. I'm Morgan Robinson, and my husband, Brad, is an international affair recovery expert. Together, we founded Marriage Solutions, a multi-location group marriage counseling private practice devoted exclusively to helping couples heal and rebuild their relationship to stronger than ever before. In fact, we're the best-reviewed couples therapist in the Midwest. Check us out at MyMarriageCheckup.com. Hey guys, welcome to Healing Broken Trust Podcast. I'm Morgan Robinson. And I am Brad Robinson. And today we're talking about a topic called that we're calling Avoiding the Shutdown. Many of you experience shutting down or avoidance or withdrawal in the relationship, either one of you or both of you. And we're going to talk about how to avoid that in your conversations because talking about the things that come up is really important to most of you. So let's talk about that. First, we're going to really talk about um, some research, right, Brad? Yeah. We've got some different research studies here. So stay with us as we read this to you, because at the end, we're going to summarize in a sentence or two what the researcher is trying to say, and that you can take home with you. Yeah. And I think as we go, we'll try to do a little bit of summarizing too, because it can be, you know, research jargon and be kind of but, yeah, but hard. This isn't like a lot of... This isn't like endless talking. No. This is uh, just a few sentences of research and then what the conclusion of the research is and what, how you can apply this to your relationship. Because of the shutdown, when that happens, neither person likes the shutdown. The one who shuts down doesn't like it. Sometimes both people shut down. When you get shut down on, that's not fun either. So how can we avoid the shutdown? What can we do? And this is maybe a handful of studies here that we have. Uh, so we're just going to kind of go through the first one. And it's really interesting. It's really fascinating. This was a one-year study done on early newlyweds back in 2010. And these researchers, Sullivan, Pash, and Johnson, and Bradbury, highlighted the positive role that a partner's responsiveness can play in conflict management. So married couples were these married couples were observed as newlyweds. And again, one year later, while engaged in conflict management interactions and support discussions. Initial higher levels of partner responsiveness during the support discussions predicted one-year decreases in negative emotion during conflict conversations. So here's the conclusion. It seems that partner responsiveness and support are key elements in reducing conflictual interactions with a romantic partner. And so when we have healthy responsiveness, like validating, caring, support, calmness, affection, really good listening, things like that, that really reduces conflict uh, in relationships. Now, you might be thinking, Brad, that's common sense. It may be for some people, but when you get into these negative cycles, you know, you get upset and our feelings take over and we want to make a point and we want to get angry and we want to drive it home. Uh, We've all been there. We've all gotten upset to those kinds of levels. And so if you want to really have, you're stuck in that and you want to have good, healthy communication, you've got to really help buffer that so it doesn't come to that point. And so it only takes one person to not get to there. That's right. And that's what the research is saying. So one partner's supportiveness during a conflict management interaction is effective in decreasing the contending partners to stress and anxiety during the interaction. 
So one partner's supportiveness during a conflict is really effective in decreasing the one who's shutting down their distress and anxiety. Which would then cause them to not shut down as much. Yeah, they have the support and calmness and acceptance and validation. And honestly, even kind of given a chance to feel supported or excuse me, to be independent a little bit, like to... Autonomy is what the word in this yeah. research shows. Yeah, there's other research we'll get to that talks about autonomy. If they have the chance to just, let me come to you in a minute, let me come to you on my terms in 10 minutes or an hour or tomorrow when I sleep on it, that helps you get much further in the process than we've got to do it, you know, all right now. And we've got to resolve it right now. Morgan, do you want to do the next one? Okay, Sure. So overall, Simpson and Struthers, 2013, provided more direct evidence on the buffering role of a partner's responsiveness while assessing avoidant people's reactions during discussions with a romantic partner, the romantic partner who was attempting to influence their behavior. As predicted, avoidant people felt greater anger and displayed more withdrawal during the discussion, which resulted in less successful problem resolution. So basically, Morgan, what that's saying is is when a partner displayed greater responsiveness, mm-hmm. avoiding people exhibited less anger and withdrawal and their discussions were more successful. Another way of thinking of responsiveness is like greater sensitivity to the other partner's autonomy needs. Mm-hmm. You know, greater sensitivity to their need to maybe take a break or can we talk about this tomorrow? Can we go to bed first? You know, different things like that. And what, kind just, of what they're, they're needing at the moment. And yeah. it's so hard because it, it can be so time-pressing where you're like, I just really need to know now. I really need to know, especially when those trauma symptoms come up and you're just like heightened and the person who you're trying to alter their behavior or get mm-hmm. them to tell you something is just not there and ready. Yeah. You're really not going to help the situation or get what you need if, if you keep pressing You'll get more if you just let them kind of process. Yeah, it's like jujitsu. You want to kind of use their moves against them. I'm like, you'll get more if you don't press. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll go further if you don't push too hard. And so, uh, so greater responsiveness. So sensitivity to other partners needs to just take a break, to be autonomous for a little bit. Even validation of their viewpoint. I can understand how you see it that way. That makes sense to me. I agree. I can understand why you need a little time. Mm -hmm. All of that helps them not shut down. And now both of you may shut down. One of you may shut down. But these are ways to have more helpful discussions so that you don't shut down. And so these discussions can be more successful. I have a thought on if both people avoid. If they're both avoiding, I imagine if you're both avoiding, then give yourself a little space. Kind of think about what you need to make the conversation more productive and to be able to engage with each other because you might just need to be kind to yourself. Yeah, that's true. They probably need to be more kind to themselves than because usually when we both avoid, uh, you're not running into this situation where the pursuer is blaming, critical, demanding, mm-hmm. you know, getting you know, honestly sometimes manipulative. Mm-hmm. You're not running into that situation because they are shutting down their feelings too. Both of them are doing that. Okay, another researcher in 2011 named Salvatore he found that a similar buffering effect on conflict recovery, and this was this was with dating couples, and he's and he found that when partners displayed greater responsiveness, like calmness, acceptance, affection, these conflict situations, they were able to have more positive emotion associated with them 
than when there wasn't calmness and affection and acceptance. And the, and those couples who were able to calm down and have that acceptance and that affection during those difficult times of conflict, they were they were more likely to still be dating two years later. Interesting. That's so very able to keep their relationship intact and be together even two years later. And I'd like to add to what you're talking about here, because in that same research, it says that insecure participants who are rated insecure children 20 years earlier were more likely to re-engage the conflict during a cool-down task. And so what that means is they were trying to cool down with their partner, or they were, they were in cool-down mode or supposed to be in cool-down mode, but they couldn't self-regulate. They couldn't regulate. They kept re-engaging in the conflict. And so what's cool about that is if you now have a responsive, engaging, you know, loving partner, you can then actually learn to cool down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's what's really neat about this. Is it just takes one. It takes one person to kind of buffer the conflict. Uh, and that's, that's the cool thing because even as a child, that insecure in relationship terms doesn't mean you have insecurities. It means you didn't have somebody there for you emotionally when you were growing up. And so now you have to be more self-reliant as a, and that's where you avoid or you're more anxious. That's where you're preoccupied and worried about if somebody loves you or not. And that usually comes out in criticism and anger and kind of attacking. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where you get into your pursuer distancer. So if somebody had a background where they didn't have a parent there for them emotionally, but as long as they have a partner who is engaged with them, this conflict goes a lot smoother and you can buffer the conflict a lot easier by just caring behaviors, by simple caring uh, behaviors like being calm, by being affectionate, uh, just by giving them some space, by validating their point of view and understanding it and agreeing with it even. All of that just helps buffer the conflict and it helps, like you mentioned at the beginning, avoid conflict, you know? And that's for the couples where one person is typically the pursuer. Like if you're both avoidant and you're already normally, you know, avoiding, that's not quite what we're talking about. Yeah, this may not really help much. Like, because you're, you know, that's just kind of more your relationship style. But if you're a pursuer and you notice kind of they're always shutting down on you, how to avoid the shutdown? Yeah. You know, how can we avoid going into that scenario? These are some strategies you can put in your tool belt. This can work for either person, the one who had the affair, the one who who was betrayed, uh, either one. And so the last piece of research before we're done, in 2013, uh, researchers Barry and Lawrence observed the impact of a partner's responses during heavy conflict-laden interactions on avoidant people's withdrawal strategies. And so they noticed just the impact of conflict, uh, how it impacts somebody who their tendency to withdraw. And what they what they discovered is really shocking. In their study, more avoidant people were rated by the researchers as emotionally and behaviorally disengaged during a conflict resolution with their spouse, mainly when the spouse was rated as overtly expressing heightened distress and anger during the interaction. So, naturally, common sense would say, the more you're angry with me, the more I'm going to keep my space and kind of be quiet and keep my distance. That's common sense. But here's the next line in the research. The avoidance disengagement link disappeared when a spouse did not appear to be emotionally aroused during the discussion. And so if you want to help them not shut down, 
be sure to look at yourself and notice, am I getting really angry? Am I getting really frustrated? Am I, what kind of fit am I getting into? How angry am I getting? Am I emotionally abusive right now? I just got betrayed. Am I emotionally abusive towards this person? Am I talking about how I'm only here because of the kids? Am I threatening to take their dirty laundry and tell everybody about it? If you want them to be open, you've got to stop doing those things. If you want them to be engaged, you've got to stop that. Because common sense says, I've got to avoid when you are becoming a threat towards me. You know, when you are getting angry and uh, you're getting really heightened in your distress, that's what the research is showing is that people will start avoiding a lot more than they usually do when there's that kind of conflict. And can I say too, um, make sure that your facial expressions are calm as well because sometimes we can sound maybe we can lower our tone or voice or not yell but then we still have a threatening look on our face or a threatening demeanor and so really pay attention to all of it all the way around because you may not think that you are you know being um, intimidating or something like that but it's really up to them to decide are you being intimidating for them to shut down so just be mindful of it all Mm -hmm. um, because it all counts in this situation Yeah, absolutely. And so the avoidance disengagement link disappeared when a spouse did not appear to be emotionally aroused during the discussion. So do not appear to be emotionally aroused during the discussion if you can help it. Obviously, like Morgan mentioned, it's a hard time, a chaotic time, but it'll help things go a lot smoother. So in this case, this is what the research concludes. In this case, avoiding people's defenses, their need to withdraw is less necessary and they can remain more calm and involved in the discussion. Yep. Yeah, so they're com- so they can actually come out of their withdrawal and actually give you what you really ultimately want, the why, the answers, yeah. the understanding. Yeah they, can, yeah, they can talk to you, they can be engaged with you, but they have to feel safe to do that. We've talked about different elements of that before we talked about how they need to feel like they can trust you. Uh obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about you being able to trust them, you know, I've been betrayed, help me trust you. Uh, but they also have to feel like the ones who have the affair or the ones who shut down even, and that may be the one who's been cheated on, you know, they may be the one who shuts down. They've got to feel like that they can trust as well, you know, when that happens. And so, so if you can stay calm, if you can provide emotional responsiveness and emotional support and being sensitive to their needs and validating their viewpoint and provide acceptance and affection and not go to those heights of anger that people can go to, then you're going to walk through this in a much easier fashion because you're going to be able to communicate much easier. Hey, one more thing. If you want to break free from the affair once and for all, go to HealingBrokenTrust.com for personalized help or a self-paced online program. That's HealingBrokenTrust.com. There, we can provide you with the personalized help you really want. HealingBrokenTrust.com. We'll talk to you soon.